I am one voice that stands alone. I am one choice, two men the throne. Stand guard and take shots, give it all I got. All I got is this microphone. Welcome to Pulp Revelators. We are this episode we will be discussing uh, greatest villain of all time. In any media. That was uh, a really good impression of Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't tell you how much there for a moment. I haven't slept in weeks. <laughs> so there's all kinds of, you know, it, villains go across the, the spectrum of movies, television, comic books. Uh, you've got, and, and some step over those boundaries. Um, I think, you know, if you, if you look at, you know, the iconic villains, you, know, you could start with somebody like Darth Vader, who we've talked about, but, um, Vader's a sidekick to the emperor. So he's not even the, the main villain of the yeah. story. And ultimately maybe he's redeemed. And so, um, it, it's hard to say, but, um, well, that holds into the whole, are we only looking at the three movies that Star Wars fans love, you know, <laughs> are we just missing out on the prequel movies? Because really, in those three, the three original movies, Vader uh, is talked about, but you really don't see much out of him. True. You know, um, yeah, I don't think I don't think any of the Star Wars movies <coughs> a great, have done a great job of developing a villain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe in the books and the comic books, we have those villains, um, and you have anti heroes too, but. I don't think the movies did a good job of giving us a villain where we're like, oh, thank goodness he's dead. Yeah. Well, yeah. So when we talk about villains, are we talking about uh, their antagonists? Yeah. Are we talking about villains that were like, oh, my gosh, that is the worst mm-hmm. person ever. That is like you can't get behind them at all. There's no loving that villain. You know, there's no Deadpool aspect to that. That person is a villain. You want to see them crushed. Is that what we're calling? That can be part of it. It depends on your preference. I mean, if that's the villain that you think is the top, then cool. Um, You know, or, you know, it could be just there's a villain, the antagonist in this particular storyline that I thought he was a great villain. I'll say if you... If we stay in the, if we go into the DC Comics realm for a little bit, whenever you put villains together, Luthor seems to be the one who takes charge as the evil genius. But to me, the Joker is the the epitome of a DC villain. I mean, just a guy who just boils your blood, makes you. I mean, some of the stuff in in different Batman comics, the Joker is like, oh, wow. Snyder's run with Joker. I was, I mean, the whole, especially how Snyder added that whole kind of Raza Ghoul, Vandal Savage aspect to Joker, that made him a lot more scarier, for sure. I mean, Joker, the aspects of Joker that are so appealing are, are, for me, for all villains, is the villain who can stay a step ahead of the hero. You know, intellectually, um, Mm -hmm. materially, you know, just, it's, it's fun to see, um, and I invest in a villain who is smarter than than a good guy for a while, and a good guy just it makes him have to work harder and become something he wasn't, become a better version of himself, just to take down that villain, just the one, the one person, and that that's the villains. Those are the villains that I like. 
You've also got the antithesis of the hero. Batman is the detective, the planner. He's going to outsmart you, outfigure out. And Joker is unpredictable, you know, and just completely chaotic. And so you can't discern what's going on there. He also crippled Batgirl and beat one of his Robins to death. So, I mean, yeah, you don't get much more villainous than that. Or an injustice blows up Metropolis, kills Lois Lane, and sends Superman into this, like... I'm just going to rule the world now. Yeah, murderous rage. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I mean, depends on who's writing him. He can be this really just actually scary. Um, you brought Lex Luthor earlier. He He's he's always one that's a top villain for me because he's just, the, I guess it's the way the writers all write him, but he's just always the biggest jackass. It, do, it doesn't matter. Like, even when they're trying to make him <laughs> sympathetic and a good character, he's he's still a jackass. And I just love to hate him. There's just like, I can't think of any story that I've liked where I'm like, you know, I'm going to get behind Luther on this. He, he is just, ah, oh, he's just despicable. And the antithesis of Superman. Yep. No abilities, all brains, all no morals versus, you know, Superman yeah. is the ultimate, you know, superpowered Boy Scout. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, I, for those two, for the big two over there at DC, they write really good um, villains. Those are very, very decently written villains. Well, Luther doesn't scare me, you know. I think like, Joker does. Joker's right. unpredictable. Professor Zoom. He scares me. You have the speedster who can just do whatever he wants with the time stream. And he has this kind of like, he really makes Barry Allen seem naive. Mm-hmm. You know, like that flashpoint storyline where Thawne just drops it on him. Like, this is not by my hand. This is by your hand. Yeah. This is all your fault. I also find that he has, I might be wrong when I say this, he seems to have no interest. He just likes to watch the world burn. Right. Joker yeah. or Professor Zoo. No, no, Professor Zoo. Yeah. yeah. Here's the chaos. Have fun with it. Yeah. Well, yeah. he – and even prior – and this, you're probably too young for this, but the storylines way back when, he killed the Flash's wife because she rejected him. <laughs> so um, now eventually, you know, it's comics, so she came back. Um, but yeah, and – and now in the whole reset reality, they're, they're never married, but apparently she remembers that now. I, don't even ask me to explain that one. Um, but anyway, yeah, so he, he's another one that's just that pure evil that you can't sympathize with character because he, he just loves to torture. And um, I don't know if any of you have, have been keeping up with the recent Flash, but they just revealed even something more despicable yeah. about him. Um, that he caused that caused ripples in uh, Wally West's story, and he he came to Wally West as the Flash and tried to ruin his life. So it's like he's just like, oh, there's a Flash. I think I'm gonna go mess with him. Well, and there's that added like with the Joker when he's like, I'll get you back someday. With Professor Zoom, when he says that, you're like, he will. And it could have been because he knows. And it could have been when I was a child. Yeah. yeah he. I mean, he could have went back in time and did something to w- Williamson. Yeah. Hints at that. It's like uh, I think it's like Volume Four when Flash takes his powers away, and uh, Thawne's like, "This isn't even the top ten worst things I do to you. Just wait." So if we hop the fence, the comic book fence, over into the Marvel universe, um, you know, I the first thing I read was was Daredevil and Kingpin is mm. an amazing bad guy who I think you know on screen 
most recently Vincent D'Onofrio just nailed oh, yeah. this demented kingpin, you know, who you're just like, oh, wow. Yep, that's how I read him in the comics, you know. Yep. Um, but I don't think he's – he's de- definitely not the number one Marvel villain. I do like I do like Bendis's take on Kingpin and Ultimate mm-hmm. Spider-Man. That scene, I think it's like issue nine, where like you know Spider-Man has a video of Kingpin murdering somebody, and you know I think it's uh, Ben Urick is like, well, why do you think he's videotaping himself murdering somebody because he thinks he's untouchable? So it doesn't matter that we have the evidence. Mm-hmm. It, it's funny that you bring that up. Cause Are you not an Ultimate Spider-Man guy? I know I am. I love it. Oh, okay. I, I love it. But this, whenever <laughs> I think of the Kingpin and Ultimate Spider-Man, the only scene that pops in my head is there's a scene where he's actually in jail and Spider-Man has a piece of paper in front of him and he's like, <clears throat> and he's just going down fat jokes <laughs> while he's stuck <laughs> in jail and he can't do anything to him. And, and he's like, and, he, and you know, Kingpin's like yelling at him. And he's like, no, no, please don't interrupt. I have a lot of these. And he's just like going down this list of fat jokes. So you said the Kingpin can't be the, can't be the, the best villain, but I think that there's a case for it. Sure. Go for it. So the Kingpin has destroyed the world of Spider-Man Punisher mm-hmm. and Daredevil. True. And the thing I like about all three of those characters is they're very relatable to the common man. Yeah. You know, you've got the, the Punisher stories, his family was taken from him, mm-hmm. and he decided that the, the law doesn't work for the innocent. So he's going to work beyond the law. Then you got Daredevil, who is trying to make the law work for the innocent, but again, sees a need to, to protect the innocent as, as far as he can. You got Spider Man who wants to be your your friendly neighborhood Spider Man mm-hmm. and just save the local guy. And the Kingpin rules everything, and he rules it from coast to coast. And he he continually is involved in the crime syndicate in every country. He just owns everything. And there was a point where he was the mayor. He he's currently is, I think. Yeah, he's run. Well, I think at, so. He is, and later on in the in the in the storyline that changes. Mm-hmm. But he's gotten as far up as he wants to get, and it's because of who he is and how smart he is. And D'Onofrio, you're absolutely right, played him perfectly. Oh, yeah. And it's funny, without this storyline coming out, that's the direction they were taking the Kingpin character in that series of him wanting to get beyond mm-hmm. the, the, the criminal underworld and start smoozing with the, with the city elite and maybe even the political elite. But he always loses control and sabotages himself. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that you can tell by like a truly heinous villain is how they treat their children. And Kingpin went to war with his own son. Um, at one point, I think he had him bumped off. But that, that was after his son had tried to have him bumped off. That's Bendis' run, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but then another character like that that I, I would say is <coughs> the, the villain I love to hate is the Green Goblin. Um, Norman Osborn, the original one, the Defoe did a great job at him, tremendous job at him, but the movies truly didn't do justice as to how evil that dude became. I mean, he killed Gwen Stacy. Um, he tried to kill his own son, rejected his own son. Um, he just like big, before they did away with it in the continuity, he came from behind the scenes and arranged the whole clone saga well, it's back kind of in continuity. I hate that. But um, he did the whole clone so- saga, which ended up um, essentially, 
you don't know what happened at the end of it. They they make it seem like MJ had a miscarriage due to the machinations of uh, the Green Goblin, or it can be interpreted he just took the baby. They never came back. They came back to that storyline later on. Gwen, what right? if? Uh, no, MJ. That that was a different story later uh, on where somehow Gwen Stacy and Norman Osborn hooked up at some point. Right, like right before he killed her. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that's kind of not been recognized and maybe removed from continuity. That was back during the One More Day stage, which they don't talk about so I much anymore. I stopped reading Spider-Man after that, that, that series. It's awesome again. I'd pick it back it? up now. But um, So, yeah, I've always hated the Green Goblin, and, um, and that's because it seems like every time – Peter's life gets to a point where it's going seemingly well. Well, as well as Peter's life can be, he's kind of like the Beetle Bailey of superheroes where, you know, if there's a when he came back from being possessed by Doc Ock, they just had this scene in that first issue when he first came back and um, the Avengers are like watching something happen. They're like, are we sure it's him this time? And they're like, yeah. They're like, they're like, yeah, it's him because he's like in web underwear trying to get away from everybody in a mask because the villain ruined his clothing. (laughs) But it's like whenever stuff like that's going well, that's when Osborne comes back and completely devastates his life. So again, you're talking you know, the antithesis of a particular character who's, right. who's you know, um, obviously in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and I think in a lot of the comics, Thanos ruled for a while, was the main right. arm. Um, and, and and literally, he's not, not content with New York City or Gotham City or whatever. He wants the universe, everything yeah. under his thumb. Um, and... I think the, both the, the way he's portrayed in comics, plus Josh Brolin, um, you've, you've had a really great portrayal. Yeah. Where, and I think, Gary, you mentioned you know, where a villain thinks of himself as the hero, you know, and Thanos clearly does. Yeah, I mean, Thanos is one of those, the movie version, I think, is just so well done. Mm-hmm. I mean, the fact that you have a subreddit now that says Thanos did nothing wrong. You know, he's portrayed in such a... Uh, Sympathetic. Yeah. When in reality, everything he does is actually I evil. I just got to say, he didn't, he didn't die hard enough. <laughs> <laughs> Cinematically, he did not die hard enough. He just kind of flake away. Like, I would have liked to at least at least to get a Tony Stark... You know, being, phrase in there. I mean, the, no. I am Iron Man. I yeah. kind of ended the way we started. I get that. <laughs> But I'd like to have been like he narrated his thought process through both those movies. Yeah, I would have yeah. liked to have seen the Hulk bash him after the you know he got bashed by him and yeah, a little uh, bit of revenge. Award. Yeah, I would I'd like to have seen someone be like all this, <laughs> just kind of repeat his words. All yeah. of this for nothing. What has it got you? Yeah, and you watch his generals just kind of prove it. That's just cinematically how I like to see. I just I got to the point where I disliked him so much, and then kudos to Marvel mm-hmm. Cinema. They started building him a decade ago. The story yeah. of him a decade ago when they had the first Avengers. Yeah, and and from there on, you just like, oh, I can't wait to see Thanos. And then you saw Thanos, like I hate Thanos. <laughs> and then they give me the storyline of Thanos, and I'm like, I don't care. He's still a bad guy. I want to see him die, and he does. Mm-hmm. <sighs> but it could have it could have been so much more of a anguishing death, and he didn't have that. And you can see it on his face. Josh Brolin nailed Thanos. Mm-hmm. You know, but that kudos to them for giving me a character that I came to hate so much that he his death just wasn't good enough. 
you know, they, they nailed that. Yeah. So now we're on that. We've talked about Lex Luthor, Dr. Zoom, Kingpin, the Green Goblin, and Thanos. Dr. Zoom's kind of been played cinematically in the, in the Flash run on the, WB. Yeah. So have any of these guys, any of these villains been done justice cinematically? I would say Thanos has, certainly. Yeah, I would say Lex Thanos. Luther. Has anyone ever nailed Lex Luthor? <laughs> I always go back to Gene Hackman in the original yeah. one, which is a little bit laughable villain. He's just not, he's more funny than evil. Yeah. Definitely not. Not, not um, liking Jesse Eisenberg? No. <laughs> no. No. No way. Uh, I do like Keith Ledger's Joker. Ledger's Joker yeah. was, yeah. I mean, the original Nicholson Joker was demented. There's yeah. no question. You're like, oh, wow. But I, I, you walk uncomfortably out of the theater after Ledger's Joker. You're yeah. Like, well, and I liked it because they didn't, like, with Nicholson's Joker, you knew his origin. You knew where mm-hmm. he came from. With Ledger's, he was that pure agent of chaos that the Joker is supposed to be. Because you remember every time he told his origin story in that movie, it was something different. Yeah. So I love that scene where he's, uh, yeah. he's with um, Harvey in the hospital. His face is all burnt up. And Harvey has a gun. He gives him the gun and goes, introduce a little chaos. And he's got that gun and Harvey says, heads, you live, tails, you die. And all he says is, now you're talking. (laughs) What a great exchange between two just psychologically disturbed individuals. And the scene from that movie that sticks with me is the the iconic him walking with the nurse's dress dress on in the hospital and flames behind him. You're just like... Oh, well, the little part where his detonator doesn't work, he's like, like flipping yeah. it, flipping it, and then he turns and looks, and then it blows up, and it scares him. He's like, "Oh, there it goes." It's, it's just a great job. Or the scene at the end where he's hanging there with Batman, and he's like, "He's like, you'll never kill me, and I'm never going to kill you because it's just so much fun." Yeah, which nailed it. You're right, which is just like this, do this infinite battle mm-hmm. that you've seen not only in that movie it's hinted at but in the comics there's Killing this infinite Joe. battle that, yeah that yeah. relationship it's such a and Heath Ledger's death we've said it before was such a shame to begin with but for that character and him playing that character that could have set DC up for a decade right to, to continually bring him back and have him he the Joker was Batman's bad guy but like you guys have already said he had a lot to do with a lot of chaos throughout the DC universe yeah so. A, a comic and comic based movie to me that has had the most despicable villains in it was The Crow. I don't know how many of you have mm. seen The Crow or actually mm-hmm. read it. Uh, the graphic novel, they're even worse than in the movie, if you can imagine. And then if you think about that movie and that gang of guys that, you know, basically attack, completely devastate, and kill this young couple, right. they, there was nothing redemptive about them. Right. The the only thing that came closest to a redemptive arc in the movie, well, in the uh, original comic, was the one fun boy who was the heroin addict. Um, you know, he basically the crow uses him to infiltrate a party where he can get at the rest of the gang. And, and since he helped him, instead of killing him violently and horribly, he allows him to overdose. Mm-hmm. So, but it's like you know, there it was just gritty. They were realistic. It was just. Nothing redempting, redeeming about well, that. I thought there was a really interesting arc there too with the leader of that gang, not not the guy who hired them, but the leader of the gang himself. When mm-hmm. he's got him in the car and he's all duct taped up and he's getting ready to put the car in gear and send him off and off the pier. Right. So he's he's realized that you know 
I killed you, but there's no coming back. Dude, he just can't right. grasp the idea that his evilness didn't win. He's so used to being the authority and so used to just, that's it. What I, you know, what we do is final and something changed and he couldn't grasp that and he couldn't grasp it all the way to the end. He's repeating it all the way off that pier. Right. And what a really cool idea that the bad guy never truly grasped when they're beat. You know, and that's, that's something that all of these guys were talking about. They never know when they're beat. Like they, they, they'll keep coming back for more. And even when they're beat, they're like, you didn't get me. They just complete denial. Yeah, you can say that about some of the great heroes too. I mean, that's they never know when they're beaten, and that's their heroic quality is that they just keep coming back. I could do this all day. (laughs) (laughs) And it's another, it's another, um, well, kind of weird correlation. I don't know if anyone picked up on, but we just talked about two movies that had career-defining roles for two actors that died, Mm. either during the filming or close to it. Um, Just a little morbid factoid I'd throw in there. Um, But no, and and that's again where, you know, where you were talking about where you have this character and this superhero or this hero who is like the flip side of the same coin with the not knowing when they're beat. The hero not knowing when he's beat and being able to power through and come back and seize victory is the heroic, Mm. is seen as the heroic version. The villain not knowing when he's beat and then getting beat finally it's like that same quality in both of them, but that warring faction. And which one do you love to hate? So one of the, um, you know, and, and when I think of the all-time great villain, and he's not on, the, on screen, he's been done well yet, um, Aztec in Marvel is Doctor Doom. And, it, you know, when... When the when the battle lines line up, Doom is always the one who's leading the bad guy charge. He's always the smarter. He's you know he's he's outfoxed Galactus. You know in the comics, he's done you know all of the he's you know and he's just always reaching for more. And um, yeah, I don't know. There's just something that, that when he's written well, it that the mask all everything about him just gets to you you know i did like uh wade's mark wade's run on fantastic four mm-hmm. where doom dies and he takes over hell and reads just like all right that's it i'm just gonna get his soul and i'm gonna entrap it in this thing and we're just gonna fight for all eternity like because i can't win you know so that was the level of doom mm-hmm. yeah. i liked i liked um civil war civil war secret war secret war yeah, to watch him, right. you kind of got a glimpse as to what inspires him, what motivates him for his mm-hmm. decision making, and he wants know, to be Reed. Yeah, it, yeah. And but it, and what's the the thing that Doom that I've always liked, and um, he just had a great story arc that Bendis did. That was um, it was right after Secret War. Um, you know where he got kind of fixed, and he became the infamous Iron Man, as opposed to uh, you know he's wearing an Iron Man suit, but it's metal, and he's still wearing the Doom cape. Um, and but he was like actually a hero for a while, and he makes a huge sacrifice at the end of that that gives him his new status quo where he is now, um, kind of back to the ruling of Latveria and all. But what I've always liked about Doom when he was in the villain role is he had that Vader quality to him, where you know. 
he has these like dignitary dinners and you're like, Oh, somebody's about to die. Yeah. <laughs> you're, like, you're like, Oh man. It's like, it's, it, everyone looks like they're having fun at the table and it's like, somebody's going to do something wrong and he's going to vaporize them. Yeah. You okay. got a reason to have yeah. everybody there and it's not good. It's yeah. Not good. You're like, Oh man. Or, Game of Thrones, red wedding. Come yeah. <laughs> or just like, you know, I was thinking of like the meeting on the death star and the, and uh, a new hope where somebody says something crossed the Vader and he's like, <laughs> just like closes their throat from a distance. Doom's the same way. He could be like, here, have a glass of wine. Blast! And, you know, and you're just like done. Yeah, that's the Secret Wars from 2015 where he just rips out Thanos's like skeleton yeah. after having a conversation yeah. with them. Is there something, I wonder, you know, Vader, Joker, Doom, you know, the, the mask, is that part of the, the scary part of a villain? Is that... You know. All right, I'm going to say something controversial because when I think of like, um, and this will probably ask what's your the villain you hate the most, the one that's like mm-hmm. the worst in your eyes. Mine doesn't have a mask. It's Professor Umbridge from Harry Potter, the uh, Dolores Umbridge who takes over as headmaster of Hogwarts. And as you read Harry Potter, Order of the Phoenix, you're like, this is the worst person alive not even Voldemort matches her well and, and kudos to the when you got to the cinematic world because I've, I've read all the Harry Potter yeah. you're right I mean, the movies never do any of this books justice but she's I've she, never read a villain where I'm like the woman that played the Lord's Uncle oh, nailed, nailed it yeah and, and the fact that J.K. Rowling was intelligent enough to bring her back yeah. As one of one of Voldemort's followers in the last book. Yeah. Like, wow, you know, she really was that level of evil. Well that's what I that was that was the thing. That's what made her character great. Is in both the book and the movie, you hate her guts. <laughs> There's no like Oh wow, Heath Ledger's Joker is amazing. <laughs> you look at her and you're like, please, just Something happened. Like, well, it's also the archetype they use for villains. Like, um, it's really described well in Unbreakable by M. Night Shyamalan. Um, you know, Samuel L. Jackson's character Glass describes how you know the hero generally is this like vision of chiseled perfection, whether it be female or male. They they kind of moved away from that now that we're getting into an age where they're recognizing different body types, which is nice. Um, but stereotypically it was that, and the villain always had something misshapen about them. Like doom has the death mask, the scarred face. Joker has that elongated, weird shape head and incredibly skinny. Um, Lex Luthor's bald, which that used to be kind of looked upon as, you know, uh, so it's always like where Superman has the full head of beautiful hair. Yeah. So there was always like a way to delineate, but just also to talk to your point about like, there could be a good villain. It doesn't always have to be an adventure movie. Like Jeremy Piven in old school. I hated him. <laughs> hated that dude. So, I mean, there's, there's, and that, and that's the mark of a good actor as well. When they, when they're such a good villain that you cringe when they come on screen. And there yeah. was and in this in a movie that probably most people haven't even seen. Uh, Rob Roy, that starred Liam Neeson, mm-hmm. it had Tim Roth as this guy who you just you wanted horrible things to happen to him because it was. Well, I mean, Jason Isaacs in The Patriot, mm-hmm. you know, same uh. same kind of storyline where you're like, oh, I just want to see that guy die. No, just <laughs> kill him. Another Heath Ledger movie too. He was in that. Yeah, he. It's it's almost like with Umbridge where they're continually permit it or just take the liberty of doing whatever evil they want throughout the film yeah and and how dare anyone say anything against them or raise a hand because you don't have that right 
and it takes someone finally going, no, I'm, I'm going to take that right. And I'm going to do it. And those villains are just, just awesome. Almost the entire, almost the entire Royal family and Braveheart, except for the one princess. She was yeah. the only one that, mm. I mean, I, I could not wait to see them die. Yeah. Dustin, I recently got called out for, I've not read the books nor seen the movies of Harry Potter. And people are like, how can you not have been? So I feel like I've got to go, you know, get, get the audible. Done. The guy who does the audio narration, Jim Daly, has won awards. So just go to Audible, sign up for that free trial. Uh, this episode of Pulp Revelry is sponsored <laughs> by Amazon. <laughs> Coming soon. I've read, I've read each of those books five or six times. And I, it's very rare for me to go back and read a book. Mm-hmm. Maybe not two times, but three or four times. That's rare. Mm-hmm. Maybe C.S. Lewis. I've read his stuff multiple times. Um, and we talked. We've had an episode about Star Wars where I've talked about the books. All these books I've maybe read twice. Maybe there's a series I've read three times. But the Harry Potter series captivated me. Mm-hmm. And every time a movie would come out, about a month before, I'd read all the books again. Just to catch up on the storyline. And then we'd watch all the movies again. Yeah. You know, do like a little all-nighter. That's cool. But it's, it's great. And we do the same thing when the books would release. I'd catch up on all the books beforehand. So when you get to book seven, good grief, man. You got six more books to read. And J.K. Rowling just got thicker and thicker and thicker with every yeah. series she wrote or with every every uh, story she wrote. So I know, I think Dustin, just before we got, you know, recording, brought out a poll where uh, Magneto was actually, you know, one named of the, the, number named one the number one villain. villain of all time. Yeah. Not buying it. <laughs> yeah. Not well, I think you know we talked about yeah. way too sympathetic. We yeah, ta- we've talked is. about what uh, Thanos, mm-hmm. Joker, Lex Luthor, Doctor Zoom, Kingpin, Green Goblin, Thanos, uh, Doctor Zoom, uh, Professor Umbridge. I mean, but even the Marvel universe, we're missing out on uh, Ultron. Yeah, mm-hmm. Galactus, um, Dormammu. If you heard Doctor Strange, Apocalypse, you know, Loki, Sinister. You know, mm-hmm. you know I mean. Sinister, I would definitely say, because I've always cringed when he's ever been in a story. Um, the rest of them, though, they've also added this sympathetic portion to, like Loki. I mean, he falls on either side. (laughs) Apocalypse now. Yeah. And you can see why he does the things he does. Sinister's just evil and manipulative and weird. Sinister's definitely up there for me. Yeah. he cringes. Every story I've ever read with him, he makes me cringe. His only motivation for doing doing anything. It's just his own entertainment. Right. You know, and this the the last run of the House House of X and Powers of Ten. You know, they they he's key in that mm-hmm. in that storyline. And when they first introduce him, I can't remember which one it was, but it was somewhere along issue number four for one of those two, where they introduce him and how important he is to the plan moving forward. He he ices one of his own, you know, yeah. clones just because bah, I never liked him anyway. <laughs> like I would say, you hate yourself that much? You guys mentioned Apocalypse, which made me think of Apocalypse Now and Kurtz, who's played by Marlon Brando in that movie. But that was based on Joseph Conrad's Heart of Darkness yes. as a book. And I remember reading Heart of Darkness and the and Kurtz in that is a whole different, you know, and and reading kind of through the Kurtz character and just putting the book down and walking around like in a horrible state. Cause what if he's right? I mean, just this, you know, you get it, that mentality of that, the, the, you get pulled into the villain's way of thinking and seeing, and you just go, Oh, this is terrible. 
you know. I always thought of Apocalypse Now. I mean, I remember watching it for the first time when I was a young teenager, and to me, that's always been a horror film. Mm-hmm. It really oh, yeah. has. I mean, it's, it's not a it's not a drama. It's a horror. Mm-hmm. Right. Reverend Stryker from. Mm. God Loves Men Kill, the X-Men graphic novel. And they changed him for the movie X2. He was a military dude. But in the original story by Claremont, he was a pastor. He was a preacher. And he organized this church of hate that would, I mean, it. the entire story opens up with two mutant children, not adults, children hanging from a playground because mm. they lynched them. Um, so he actually took... A real story of hate. And, I mean, look at the world today. There is hate in the world today. There are people that still feel marginalized and afraid to leave. And if you get on Twitter, there is hate. Mm -hmm. I mean, certain, like, X-Men creators, um, just because the storylines aren't going the way some fans like, they have literally... gotten beaten down on Twitter to the point that some people are threatening them. Um, we've talked about Tom King getting threatened. So Claremont took something that was real and tangible to our everyday lives and put it on there. And also real and tangible how, you know, certain things can be twisted into hate because you have a reverend who is, and he points out in the story, Nightcrawler as like the representative representation of the demon and the demon that's the mutants. Meanwhile, Nightcrawler is a devout Catholic in the books. So it's kind of like it's the oddest thing, but he did it so well, and I still despise that character to the day. Today, it was also it came out at the time where I wasn't a big fan of churches either. So it, you know, it kind of spoke. But um, so yeah, I mean, that was just another. Not he wasn't a intergalactic ruler. He didn't have superpowers. He was just charismatic and was able to convince people. And to me, those are the scarier people. The people that are pure evil can convince others to do that evil for them. Mm-hmm. I thought going novelization here. Um, you read the I am number four. Did, didn't we say that was before we talked about that? Um, no. Okay, so the I am number four <laughs> series um, was really good, mm-hmm. and the the bad guy in that his name it ends up by the time book three or four comes out. So Satrakis, how do they say his name? Satrakis Ra. So he ends up being the main bad guy, and. For those of you that haven't read it, go read the books. The books are really cool. It's a it's a young adult's novel. Um, the Lorian Legacies. The Lorian Legacies. And the the author, it's a pseudonym, but it's Pitticus Lore. And it's supposed to be the Lorian Legacies. So it's it's a really good, well-written book. And the, the, the bad guy in this, he ends up, at one point in time, the, the idea being that there's seven or eight or nine leaders. Nine? Ten? Is it ten or eleven? I can't remember. But there's there's ten creatures or however many it is that are supposed to be the ruling um, body of this entire planet. That everyone has these special powers and such. And he was one of the ten or whatever, and turned against everybody because he saw the planet dying and wanted to kind of like what they showed us in Superman and the most recent Superman uh, rendition. And he wanted to take steps to, you know, change genetics and things like that to to continue the race and they stood against him and then he created his army fought everyone else on the planet and as they were winning and the planet was falling apart uh, they launched these 10 or 11 babies into space with their caregivers and teachers 
And the story picks up with the movie, I'm number four, with us being introduced to the very first character. One, two, and three die because you got to kill them in order to get their powers. So they had already killed one, two, and three before we could even get into book one. So it's just really, it's a really cool story around of him finally revealing to, to John Smith, um, number four, why he's doing what he's doing. And he really wants John to like work with him. And he's trying to get all these people to work with him. If not, he's just going to take their power and do it himself. And that's really what he's after is to kill them and take their powers. But he's a really good villain. I mean, mm-hmm. If you haven't read the book, it's really worth reading. Well, I just listened to an interview with Jonathan Hickman. I know, imagine that, um, the big Hickman fan. Um, we'll talk about the X-Men soon, I swear. I just have to get over some things that are going on. Uh, but the uh, he wrote that villains are so much more fun to write than the heroes. Um, and there are times where you do. Like most of us, most of us, at least I can account for the guy sitting here, and I, I think most of society would say they would want to be good. Because technically in our heads, we're the hero of our own story. We want to be good. But sometimes there is part of you that's like, man, if I was Dr. Doom sitting here at that dinner table, you know, and I, I guess uh, the only other villain I'll mention that I find completely despicable in any story is the Kerrigan from um, Highlander. Hmm. It's been a while since I've seen Highlander, but I vaguely remember. Something that occurs to me, you know, well, one, the best stories have great villains. I mean, you're not going to have a great story if the hero doesn't have something, something major to overcome. So you can't have a great story without a great villain. The hero has to have something or someone to overcome. Um, I think one of the interesting things about a lot of stories now, some of the, if you look at the matrix, if you look at ready player one, if you, you know, our, we're setting up stories where it's not one person, it's, it's a corporation or it's society, or, you know, you've got this, this, um, you can't embody it in one person anymore. It, you can't pin it down. Um, and 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 maybe that's where you know kind of we're heading as a yeah. as a society where evil is is more broadly construed than what you can't pin it on one person. Terminator too. Terminator, technology. Robocop. Yep. There's a there's a lot. Robocop yep. was a really um, um, had a pretty profound message in it of mm-hmm. corporations taking over like law enforcement and taking over just the the community mm-hmm. and they can do whatever they want once they do that and. You know, we've had a little taste of that with the Blackwater Foundation and, and things like that overseas and stuff, and it's it's scary. Yeah. Dead or alive, you're coming with me. That's true. <laughs> I think that maybe uh, does our, our first episode of, of uh, Villainy. Yes. Um, I'm sure we'll be back on that as a as a maybe a follow up, but yeah, I'm sure Dio will have a lot to say about some <laughs> villainy, so we yes. definitely have to. Uh, Catch up with him on this topic. Hit us on social media with your thoughts about villains. Let us know what you think. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Till next time. Have a great one.
One voice that stands alone I give one choice to man the throne Stand guard and take shots Give it all I got All I got is this microphone